Conservative. Constitutional. It's the Andrew Cooper Writer Show, keeping you informed on what's going on right here in Kentucky. Welcome, everybody, to the Andrew Cooper Writer Show, your source for Kentucky political talk from a constitutional and conservative point of view. Of course, I'm your host, Andrew Cooperwriter. <clears throat> if you're looking to be informed what's going on right in your own backyard, well, you've come to the right place. If you want to know what's happening right here in Kentucky, in the world of politics, you've come to the right place. Sure, you can touch that dial. You can go listen to some national talk show, or you can learn about the issues that you can actually make an impact on. Over the next hour, I'll be covering the racist new ad that attacks Daniel Cameron as an Uncle Tom from a Black Lives Matter associated pack called Black Voters Matter, a pack that's also funded by George Soros. Andy Bashir sends out mailers claiming that uh, he has worked really, really well with the Republican legislators in order to claim bipartisanship. An interesting claim from a man who, well, has seemed to do anything but... And then finally, the Herald Leader recently came out and endorsed candidates for statewide office. Well, we'll take a look at the only two Republicans they chose to endorse and their stated reasons why, as it gives us a peek into just what the liberal news wants to see and its favorite Republicans. I'll give you a hint. It's simply controlled opposition. I'll have all that and more today on the Andrew Cooperwriter Show. But before I get down into the stories, I do want to encourage you to go ahead and reach out to the show. Give me your feedback, or, or you can go ahead and reach out to make your comments. And who knows, I might even read your email on the air. You can reach out to the show at info at theandrewshow.com. That's info at theandrewshow.com. Also, please make sure you are telling others to tune into the show Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Yesterday at the end of the show, I talked about Tom Jones, Tuck and Tail, and running away and quitting after controversy on the Fayette County School Board after the fear of the far-left woke mob coming at him because he used the phrase monkeying around with the budget in a meeting. He was afraid of them coming after him. They are coming after him for that, so he yellow-bellied and ran. He resigned. And I spoke about why we as individuals, as people, need to be standing up on these issues. If anything, we need to do it for our kids. Now, the left would have you believe that, well, they're not trying to push their social viewpoints on kids. They tell us we are crazy for even noticing. They ask, why does it matter? Why do you care, Andrew, so much about what these kids are being taught? Well, obviously it matters because if it didn't, then why would the leftist cult be trying to indoctrinate kids into their belief system in the first place? We know kids are our future. And if they can push them towards their values, towards their beliefs, well, then that equals the downfall of traditional conservative values. And they know it because it's those values are important for us to protect. Those values are what's created prosperity and stability in our country. We're seeing so much instability, lack of prosperity, individuals. So, you know, one of the number one indicators of a person being successful is that they graduate high school. They don't even got to graduate college, graduate high school. They get married and have kids. If you do those three things, you get married before you have kids, you get married and you graduate high school, you're almost guaranteed to not live in abject poverty. However, those very things, having kids, getting married to somebody you can have kids with, so straight relationships, of course, straight marriages, are the very thing the left attacks. 
And for far too long, we the people have been way too nice and way too willing to just go along to get along. And now our children are suffering. I'm not just talking about this out of nowhere. I want to give you an example. I want to tell you why I'm talking about this today. You see, um, in order to just give you the perfect illustration of how this affects kids and how people who just want to be nice end up destroying our entire society, I'm going to turn to a simple costume contest in the Masterson Station neighborhood in Lexington. This costume contest is not hosted by political group or political actors. It's hosted by the neighborhood association in that area. On the entry form for the costume contest, they ask a few simple, straightforward questions. And these questions are all required for entering to the contest. So they've got that little asterisk saying, this is a required question to answer. The first question asks your child's sex with a male and female option. That's it. Then they ask your Halloween costume character. Next, they ask about accompanying adults and relationships. So far, so good, fine. But then finally, as a required response, something you have to fill out in order to submit your child for this costume contest, they ask if there's any special instructions as related to your child's pronoun preferences. This is a kid's costume contest. I mean, I have a son, he's 11. I don't even trust him to complete his homework on time. I mean, I have to sit down and go through it with him. I have to go line by line. Did you turn this in? Did you turn that on? Did you complete this work today? I don't trust him to fill in a math worksheet, but yet somehow the same child or younger that is not allowed to make any decisions for themselves can somehow pick their pronouns based on their feelings. And this is crazy. And this, this form here, this doesn't come from a liberal drag show, LGBTQ event where you expect it. It's a costume contest put on by a neighborhood association for children. What's worse is I can tell that the person who put this together doesn't even really believe in this. They're just trying to be nice and think this is what you're supposed to do. You know how I can tell that? I don't know who put it together, but I can tell this. Why? Because, well, as a person, me, who is regularly exposed to the far-left crazies and their hatred for all things normal and who has to interact with those dredges of society because I enjoy talking about politics, I know for a fact that a true blue, fully indoctrinated and bought in leftist would never only list two genders for sex. Remember, the first question was sex, male or female. There was no other options, just sex, male or female. Now, I've been told by many leftists that there are way more than two genders, that you have pronouns other than he, him, and, and she, her in order to go along with those genders. I've been told that uh, uh, sex and gender are not just a binary. So after you ask sex, you wouldn't need to ask pronouns if you're going only to list two genders. There's no other options on the gender question either, just male and female. If I identify as male, you would say he, and if you identify as female, you'd say she. So the only reason you'd need to even ask about pronouns, even if you're far leftist, is if you offered more gender selections, but they didn't. So why did they ask about pronouns? Well, clearly this person putting the sheet together isn't fully indoctrinated. This is a person who is clunkily trying to avoid controversy because in our modern age, a simple kid's costume contest entry form can create controversy if you don't make sure you ask about someone's pronouns. They thought the nice thing to do would be to ask about pronouns, so they did it. Even though, as evidence would suggest based upon this behavior here, they don't even believe in what they're asking. This is what I mean when I say us sane folk, us reasonable people have got to stand up on an issue and we can.
We don't have to give in and just say, oh, well, I guess this is the way it is. If it doesn't make sense, it doesn't make sense. Well, just if it doesn't make sense, stop it. You don't have to be a political activist. You don't have to be a politician. You don't have to go to a rally and a protest in order to take a stand for sanity. You can simply refuse to take part in this kind of garbage because that's how crazy it's gotten. The left has gotten so far over the edge that you can find simple opportunities to fight for sanity when putting together a kid's costume contest form. A simple act now turned into a form of protest. That's where we have gotten. And if you don't take the opportunities to stand for truth and what's right and your values, well, you won't need to worry about it. They won't exist for much longer. Give them up now because the far left cult mob will be more than happy to take all the opportunities they can to continue to win. They'll take all the opportunities they can to put this kind of garbage into kids' costume contests and everywhere. They understand how to infect a culture. And it's time you understand how to fight back against it. It's taking a stand. Speaking of far left crazies, the most openly racist campaign ad I've ever heard has hit the airwaves in Kentucky. It's an attack on Daniel Cameron as an Uncle Tom. Truly, truly awful stuff. We'll have that after this short break. You are listening to the Andrew Cooperwriter Show, your source for conservative and constitutional political talk and news that's going on right here in Kentucky. We'll see you guys back here after the break. And you're back with the Andrew Cooperwriter Show, your source for Kentucky news and politics from a conservative and constitutional perspective. And of course, I'm Andrew Cooperwriter. You know, for years, black conservatives have been attacked as well, not actually being black. We'll remember Biden saying out loud during the presidential election, you ain't black unless you vote for him. And we hear black liberals going after black Republicans as Uncle Toms all the time. In other words, as race traitors, because they simply stand against the Democrat Party and its talking points. Now, I have been told on a regular basis that stereotyping people of the same skin color as behaving all as one way is racist. And that's because it clearly is. If I said something like all black people are criminals, you'd call me a piece of garbage racist because I would be if I actually thought that. However, for some reason, Democrats, you know, the party of the KKK, can get away with overt racism on stereotyping. They are allowed to say that a black person must have these certain set of beliefs or they're not somehow actually black. They're allowed to say these things because uh, the great arbiters of our society of what's racist and not have decided that this is a fine thing for Democrats to say because Democrats can't afford to lose the minority vote. They're afraid that large swaths of minorities uh, might realize they have been electing Democrats their whole lives and yet things are getting worse for them and not better. Therefore, when they have a black conservative that points to facts and doesn't use race hustling to bring in votes, that frightens them. In fact, I can't think of a time that I've seen Daniel Cameron actually bring up the fact that he's black, so you should vote for him just because he's black into this race. I haven't seen it. Maybe you have, but I personally haven't seen it. And he certainly doesn't hammer on the issue like I've seen some other black Republicans running for office and do in the past. So these Democrats here, they don't want minority voters to think. They want them to be verbally, verbally beat <laughs> into a monolith voting block that will serve their liberal overlords. Cameron, see, Cameron represents a threat to that. 
So while it's disappointing, it would come as no surprise that a Black Lives Matter link pack called Black Voters Matter, which is funded in part by George Soros, would come out with a racist attack ad against Cameron, you know, a group that is supposed to be about supporting black Americans and voters. So of course it would just stand to reason in this weird world of double speak and backwards insanity that this group would attack a black candidate in favor of a white straight male candidate because diversity, I, I don't know. I don't know why somehow this falls in line with their mission statement of supporting black voters and black people. But let's take a listen to this ad here. What's up, Kentucky? It's election time, and all skin folks ain't kin folks. Over the past few years, we've taken to the streets to demand racial justice, to demand health care, and the right to make decisions about our bodies. And now Uncle Daniel Cameron is threatening to take us backwards. The same man who refused to seek justice for Breonna Taylor now wants to run our whole state. We can't let that happen. We won't. Black skin folk. <laughs> all skin folk ain't kin folk. Uncle Daniel Cameron. You know, we hear from Democrats how Republicans are the party of white supremacy all the time. How Republicans are just so incredibly awful to minorities. Yet I have never heard a Republican political attack ad that attacks a black Democrat on the color of their skin. Yet here we are hearing a political ad that is attacking Cameron for simply having the beliefs he does while also being black. Take Cameron's exact same beliefs, now make him white. Would this ad have aired? Of course not. That's how we know it's racist. Let me give you a simple guide to know if a political attack ad is racist. If a political attack ad doesn't remain the same, regardless of the person's skin color, then it's a racist attack ad. Simple guideline that should be easy. Cameron, for his part, he did tweet this out uh, about the ad here. He said, for years, I've been called every racist name in the book for supporting President Trump and conservative values. Andy Bashir always looks the other way and remains silent even today. And that was him referencing uh, this ad coming out. He's obviously taking a big issue with it. Now, what did black voters matter have to say to the controversy? Well, the leader of the pack had had this to say in response to Cameron and others on the Uncle Tom ad. Let's go ahead and play his response. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Roland. I mean, we, we dropped it very simply, right? Because it's it's the truth. Um, you know, everything that we mentioned in the ad, he hasn't attacked the accuracy of, of the ad at all. Did you or did you not let go and refuse to charge the, the people, the police officers that killed Breonna Taylor? So you don't want to talk about the substance of the ad. He want to talk about the Uncle Daniel Cameron. And, 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 and technically, we didn't call him Uncle Tom, right? That to do so actually would probably be more of an insult to the actual Uncle Tom, but that's a whole another story. But you know, the uncle could have been anything. It could have been Uncle Ruckus. It could have been uh, uh, Uncle, like you know, we call Maxine, Congresswoman Maxine, uh, Auntie. Maybe we used it affectionately. The fact of the matter is, soon as he heard it, he heard Uncle Tom. Right. Well, there you have it, right? Um... You know, he, he said it there, you know, I mean, what a pompous jerk. Are we five? We didn't specifically say uncle Tom. It, it could have meant anything. Well, you know, it could be a term of endearment. I mean, we only said skin folk ain't kin folk right beforehand. 
and it is, of course, a political attack ad, but maybe it didn't mean, maybe it was a term of endearment. I mean, it could have meant anything. How about you said it? How about you own up to it? You know what little respect I might have had for this guy beforehand went completely out the window. You felt strong enough to put thousands of dollars behind airing it on the radio here in Kentucky, and now you want to play cute about it? And to all of you who might be undecided between Cameron and Bashir, just remember this is the kind of absolute awful people that Bashir is associated with. People of nothing but contempt for you. People who are more than willing to attack people on immutable characteristics like their skin color. If you're sitting there thinking to yourself, well, Andy is a nice guy, please tell me, how do you think that now? These are his friends. These are the people that want to see him elected. You know, generally speaking, I have a rule. If a bunch of horrible, awful, outright racists who attack someone based simply on their skin color want to see someone elected, I don't elect that person. Call me crazy or extreme, but if someone is actually racist, now I'm not talking about the lefties' point of view of what's racist, uh, 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 something that they think is racist simply because, well, they think it's racist due to their insane viewpoints. You know, things that, for an example, Biden can say, uh, you're not black unless you vote for me. And that's horribly okay. That's okay. That's not horribly racist at all. But yet, if, I don't know, if Donald Trump says something along the lines of, hey, we don't want to see people coming from terrorist countries, that somehow now is racist and xenophobic. He didn't mention a race or a skin color or anything. He was simply talking about a country that he's saying, hey, it's, I don't want to pull in people from there, but somehow him saying that that's that's racist. Okay, so that's a leftist view of what's racist. I'm talking about what is objectively racist. Saying things and doing things to a person differently based upon their skin color. You can be racist towards white people, towards black people. It doesn't matter. If you are treating somebody or saying something different to somebody simply because of their skin color, that's racist. I'm talking about people who hold hate in their heart because of someone's skin color. And you may think because black voters matter is run by black people, they can't be racist towards black people. But their unique hate for Cameron comes specifically from the fact that he is a conservative who also happens to be black. That is why they take such great issue with him in the first place. You can't look at this attack and tell me it's not a racist atrocity. Frankly, I don't quite understand how radio stations are exactly playing this ad and not saying, look, I don't know if we can legally play this. We're going to have to check a few things. I mean, it's just, this is outright and ridiculous, but this is what we can expect from these kinds of people. They hold no standards. They have no regards. They have no decorum. This is who they are. They're willing to burn it all down. They hate you and I. They hate anybody who identifies themselves as a conservative. Anybody who stands for truth and conservative values, they hate you. They don't care. You can play any games you want to. You can throw your, the, the pronouns question on your contest, on your costume contest. You can, you can do everything you can. You can toe that line. You can do all the DEI classes you want. You can atone for any kind of issue they take with you. You can repeat over and over again how racist you are. It doesn't matter. 
The only standard they have is that there is no standard. All that matters to them is are you liberal or are you Republican? That's it. That's all they care about. And they'll use any tool to at their disposal in order to beat you down into thinking their way. Speaking of gaslighting and liars, Bashir has sent out some mailers claiming to be really, really good at working with the Republican legislature, a statement that is clearly far from the truth. We'll cover that after this short break. You're listening to the Andrew Cooper Writer Show, your source for conservative and constitutional political talk, news, commentary, and it's a course covering issues that's happening right here in the Commonwealth, right here in Kentucky. We'll be back after this short break. And you're back with the Andrew Cooperwriter Show, your source for Kentucky news and politics from a conservative and constitutional perspective. Of course, I'm your host, Andrew Cooperwriter. You know, the Governor's uh, Association, the Democrat Governor's Association, or DGA PAC, sent out a mailer recently loudly proclaiming that Bashir supports Kentucky values like family, tradition, hard work, and faith. You know, he supported the family when he vetoed every piece of pro-life legislation. He supported the family when his administration issued guidance to schools that they should transition kids at the school and then not tell the parents about it. Because, of course, that is the most pro-family thing you could say. Most pro-family thing. Nothing says I believe in the family more than hiding things about the kids from the parents. That's, that's very pro-family, of course. Then threatened to fire the teachers that went against the guidance and told them to find new jobs if they had a problem with it. You know, he really supported tradition when he, for the first time ever, built a fence around the so-called people's house or the governor's mansion and stopped allowing tours of it. He supported tradition when he tore down the Jefferson Davis statue in the Capitol Rotunda, a statue that hasn't seen the light of day since, despite his promises to put it somewhere out in the public. He supported tradition when he refused to appoint any Republicans to the state school board, something that uh, for almost all time they have decided would be half Republican, half Democrat, bipartisan in nature. He supported hard work and hardworking people when he forced half our workforce out of a job. He supported hard work as he created the lowest workforce participation rate in the state's history. Though, if I'm to be honest, maybe he actually does support hard work. After all, his administration has had a record number of jobs filled with less people working than when he took office. So that means that people are out here working second and third jobs. So for those who are working, they're working pretty hard as they've had to get those extra jobs to make ends meet while Bashir has been in office. So I guess he is supporting hard work by forcing people into additional jobs. Of course, he supported faith when he shut down churches and attempted to put people under police forced, uh, police enforced house arrest for going to church on Easter. That sounds like a man who has a sterling reputation of an individual who really has that true Kentucky value of faith. Now, if the proclamations that Bashir believes in family, tradition, hard work, and faith wasn't enough gaslighting for you. On the flip side of this, the mailer they have uh, this here. They have a graphic saying that Annie Bashir embodies the spirit of Kentucky underneath. That's why he works with Republicans to do what's right for us. That's why he works with Republicans to do what's right for us. You know, I can think of only one time Bashir has worked with Republicans, one time. 
And that was on the Ford battery plant deal. And you know what? I'll let you decide if giving $410 million of taxpayer funds to a multi-billion dollar company, Ford was doing the right thing. That's something for you to think about and consider. But other than that, let's just see how well Bashir's worked with Republicans. Let's see. Well, well, during COVID, he absolutely refused to talk to the legislature about anything he was doing. Every member of legislature, including leadership, was finding out about what the next mandates would be, what the next lockdown orders would be, what they would be at the exact same time as the rest of us. That's a big problem for the legislature. And maybe you, you don't quite understand why, but you know, for a lot of people there, when they have questions about what the state government is doing or having issues with the state government, they reach out to their representatives, the representatives in the House and in the Senate. If those representatives in the House and Senate don't know what's going on and what the thought process is behind things. They don't, they don't know what the process is. For example, I'm laying off more people. What's the process for getting unemployment? If those representatives don't know, they can't serve the people. They can't help them. Regardless, Republican, Democrat, or what have you, keeping them alert to what's going on is how they can serve the people. If you're refusing to tell them anything, well, that leaves legislators as much in the dark as the citizens. And now the citizens, when they need guidance about what the uh, state government is doing, they have nobody to turn to. No person who's charged with customer service, truly. Yeah, sure, you could call up to the state. Those state workers, though, we've all dealt with them. They don't really care about customer service too much. Where else are you going to go? But the legislators, they're elected. They, In a way, they do care about customer service, and that's who a lot of people tend to reach out to. However, Bashir's refusal to work with the legislature didn't just keep legislators out of the loop. It directly hurt Kentuckians in another way. You see, during the unemployment crisis, due to Bashir laying off everyone, remember Kentucky had a national headline worthy. We laid off by percentage more people than any other state. Laid off almost a million, over a million people, about half of the state's workers. And the unemployment office was having to face this million out of nowhere unemployed people filing for unemployment, and they were hugely understaffed. In order to help in the time of crisis, the leadership in the Republican legislature offered up their nearly 200 legislative research commission staff to the unemployment office to help process the claims. They already had state computers and offices. All they needed was some training. It was such a godsend to help solve the problem that the director of unemployment, a Bashir political appointee, begged Bashir to take them up on the offer. We know this because messages, text messages, and emails have since been released where he's saying he desperately needs these LRC staff, and Bashir said no. Apparently, the director of unemployment in these messages, well, he just couldn't understand why Bashir would take this position, but I do. Bashir turned them down because he didn't want to work one bit with Republicans, even when it came to getting unemployment to the 1 million Kentuckians that Bashir himself laid off and forced into the unemployment system. Bashir likes to take credit for Republican tax bills. Whether you agree with the tax bills or not, that's a different story. But he takes credit for them. But keep in mind, he vetoed the first one and then reluctantly signed the second. During his veto message, he proclaimed he'd rather have a different bill cutting sales tax, but this is all he had. So he guessed, well, he just had to go ahead and sign it. Bashir, ign just complete ignoring of the legislature, reached such, such heights 
that the legislature decided since Bashir didn't want to talk to them, they would just not care what he had to say. Their last budget was released before Bashir even got out of governor's budget. Something that, of course, Bashir took very much offense to, but he never even talked to the legislature. Why would they? He wasn't going to talk to him in the first place. So why bother? Just issue it. I mean, during the governor's debates, we learned that Bashir hadn't even talked to the education chair about Bashir's own education plan. Bashir's plan involves 11% raise for all uh, school staff, universal pre-K, uh, paying for transportation, and other types of financial demands. Demands that would have to be funded by the state legislature. If Bashir actually wanted to get those things passed, well, he'd have to get buy-in from the legislature to work on them, but alas, he never asked, he never tried. How can you take any of his promises at face value when he isn't even discussing them with the legislature who he needs buy-in from? And I get it. Political campaigns are all about gaslighting and lying. I mean, there's basically no such thing as an honest politician. We know this. And of course, no one wants to be the bad guy in their own story. So they're always going to spin a yarn where they're the good guy. Maybe even they remember it that way, despite the fact that, well, that's not what happened. That is why we as people in Kentucky have to stay informed, not informed by political mailers and ads. At best, they're telling you a half story or at least a story that's in the best possible light for the person sending it out that they can think of. No, you have to stay informed as best you can by really exploring the issues. Talk to both a Democrat and a Republican that's informed on something before you make a conclusion. Check out the Legislative Research Commission or LRC's YouTube page. Watch some legislative hearings. Try and read some bills when they finally come out for this next session. However, do whatever you can to just stay informed on what the truth really is. I mean, obviously, you know, shameless plug, you can listen to this show here. I'll let you know my biases up front. Hopefully you can wade through them to get to some facts or hopefully maybe you just agree with everything I have to say, which would be awesome. But of course, I don't expect you to believe with everything I have to say. But I do hope at least you can gather some truth from what I'm saying. And I can tell you, I'm not a team R versus team D kind of guy either. I'll call out Republicans just as quickly as I will Democrats. In fact, after this next break, I'll be diving into a story where I'm focusing on two people with R's after their names. You see, the liberal Herald leader has endorsed uh, two statewide candidates um, that are Republican candidates. I'll go over which ones and the reasons why after this short break, you're listening to the Andrew Kubrider show your source for Kentucky political news and talk from a constitutional and conservative perspective. We'll see you guys just back here in a few minutes. Every election year, the Herald leader issues its endorsements. Now let's all be honest here. The Herald leader doesn't exactly have the most sterling reputation of being exactly unbiased in their political reporting. In fact, if anything, during the Republican primaries, Herald leader endorsements can actually hurt you because it means you're not actually very conservative if you receive their endorsement. However, the Herald leader, in an attempt to make sure their endorsements mean something, will from time to time endorse Republicans in general, but only in a few key situations, of course. In fact, the Herald leader is so well known for hating actual conservatives that Cameron, the Attorney General candidate Russell Coleman, the Ag Commissioner, candidate Jonathan Schell and state treasurer candidate Mark Metcalf didn't even bother to actually sit down for the endorsement interview 
and declined it, saying they really had no interest in taking part of what the Herald Leader was doing. It just so happens that the only two who decided to do it was Allison Ball running for auditor, current state treasurer, and Michael Adams running for re-election for secretary of state. Those were the two that they had endorsed as well. Now, one could say they didn't they did it just simply because they wanted to appear bipartisan. I mean, it speaks to how much influence and reach you actually have and how important your endorsements actually are if candidates don't even care about it enough to sit down or respond to your request to interview with their endorsement review board. Or perhaps it's simply because the Herald Leader just endorsed these Republicans because they'll only endorse Republicans in certain situations. Situations where they had the Republican that they feel is the kind of controlled opposition they're looking for. You know, one that really isn't a threat to the far left agenda. But, you know, ones that may, maybe they're pro-life or, they, you know, they're, they're, you know, they say they're for guns and, and, and gun ownership. They want to protect the Second Amendment. They say these things, but otherwise they generally do things that maybe Democrats even would be willing to do in the same position. Now, it's not just me drawing this conclusion. We could take a look at their articles and uh, their endorsement articles where they talked about why they endorsed both Adams and Allison and see what they have to say. Maybe that will shed some light on what their true agenda, what they wanted to see from Republicans they're willing to endorse. So on the article on Adams, here's their first two paragraphs. Their first two paragraphs from this article is what they had to say from the Herald Leader. As an editorial board, we disagree with Republican Michael Adams on many things. We don't like his stance on abortion or guns or his extracurricular legal work for national Republicans like Nikki Haley. But when it comes to the Secretary of State, Michael Adams, we admire his stalwart defense of democracy and his willingness to resist the most extreme elements of the former President Donald Trump wing of the Republican Party. It's why we think he deserves our endorsement for another term as Secretary of State. Now, I may say, Andrew, that's the Secretary of State. It's about elections and election denial and things. And of course, the Herald Leader isn't going to be uh, you know, somebody who's going to, to, of course, care about Donald Trump when it comes to elections, because, you know, he's just. But if we take a look at the Allison Ball's endorsement for auditor, current treasurer, she's running for auditor. If we take a look at her endorsement, she's a Republican. We'll see a theme. This is what they had to say in her article. In a red state, we want to encourage Republicans like Ball, who, who rejects election denialism to continue with a more pragmatic, more sensible brand of politics. I mean, it would seem the only thing the Herald Leader cares about in the Republicans is that, well, you know, they're milk toast enough, right? They're not going to be a real threat to Democrats. And of course, they won't ask any questions about elections and they they mostly don't support Trump. And, 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 and um, you know, they're going to resist that crazy far-right Donald Trump wing, you know, just the majority of the Republican Party. Basically, they only want to endorse Republicans they perceive as candidates that disagree with the majority of Republicans. That's who they want to see in office. Almost, you know, some people call them rhinos, some people call them R's with D or, or D's with R's next to their name, but whatever. They said it right there. They said it in the Allison Ball excerpt I read. We want to encourage Republicans who reject election denialism. Clearly, the election denialism is so important to them, but what does the Herald Leader actually consider election denialism? Well, let me give you an example of what the Herald Leader considers election denialism, an example that actually deals with me, yours truly. 
When I was running for state treasurer on KT, I was asked about the Donald Trump election, whether I believe he was actually elected. And here was my response uh, to that question. To your question about the election, I do not know how you look at things like uh, the Hunter Biden laptop story. Uh, 100% true story. That's been proven that we had um, government actors within the CIA. We had social media. We had mainstream media colluding to kill this story. Uh, that really points to a lot of corruption going on within the Biden family. I don't know how you look at that and don't see it as electioneering. I don't know how you look at that and don't see it as uh, attempting to affect the outcome of an election. So no, I do not believe uh, Trump lost fair and square because it's pretty clear that there was a lot of things colluding uh, against him in order to keep him out of the office. Well, there you go. Simple response. Nowhere. Near nowhere in the response did I talk about any kind of unproven conspiracies or things that people would call unproven, you know, hack machines, secret ballots. You know, I, I didn't even go down that road. I instead answered with something we all know to be 100% accurate that any simple person who's willing to be honest about what the facts are would say, yeah, that's that is an important thing to look at. I mean, it, Trump lost by less than 100,000 votes in total. But, of course, that was spread across a few key states. So 100,000 total votes across three states. Meaning if just 50,000 people switched their vote, he, he would have won. 50,000 people. With that in mind, it's perfectly reasonable to look at the totality of what the laptop story pointed to. Complete corruption by the Biden family. Hunter Biden acting as a bag man for Joe. All questions that should have been answered before the election. Reasonable things to ask of a person running for president. But instead, the FBI worked with social media to go ahead and kill the story. You can't tell me there isn't 50,000 people out there that might have changed their vote because of the Hunter Biden laptop story. If they knew that to be true and they understood the totality of what was on it and what it meant, I believe a lot of people probably would have changed their vote or just not voted. So when we have the government going to social media companies to squash the truth before an election, well, that's not a fair election. That's election tampering by government and private actors that are not uh, uh, acting in a way co that co exists, that, that fall in line with the laws regarding how you're supposed to behave in an election. Now, did I deny that the election happened? No, I didn't. They call me election denier. I, I'm not saying election didn't happen. I'm not like, I didn't, I didn't vote. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what happened. I mean, you know, when we talk about Holocaust deniers, we're talking about people who deny the Holocaust even happened. We talk about election deniers. These aren't people who deny election happened. These To the people like Harold Leader, to these liberals, it's just somebody who asked some questions. And here I brought up something factual. It's something that isn't even beyond dispute that can't be argued. The only thing you could say is, well, maybe that wouldn't have had an effect on the outcome, but you can't say the Hunter Biden laptop story didn't happen, and you can't tell me it wasn't illegal and wrong. The most responsible position a person who wants to see honest elections could have, that most mainstream, can, most mainstream news uh, has proven to be a fact. Despite that, you want to know what Linda Blackford, political writer for the Herald Leader, called me after that response? An election denier. That is their line. If you don't pretend everything that happened in 2020 was completely on the up and up, completely above board, well, you're an election denier. You are a threat to democracy.
So is Adam saying, is Ball saying that Hunter Biden's laptop story didn't happen or that it's okay, it's not a big deal, it wasn't election interference? Is that why they are getting the endorsement? It would appear perhaps that it is. And if they think differently, maybe they just don't feel compelled to voice it, but I wouldn't call getting a non-election denier, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be proud of the fact I'm being called a non-election denier by the Herald leader. I wouldn't call that a badge of honor. If you really don't have some questions, I mean, you're blind. You have your head in the sand over how corrupt our government can be and is. A scary thing to think for someone who is running, uh, who is running for re-election to be in charge of our elections. A scary thing to think of someone who is running to be the auditor. A position charged with seeking out corruption. The auditor is supposed to seek out corruption in our government. I would want my state auditor to be extremely suspicious of anything the government does and more than willing to ask questions, even the hard ones. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you to vote for Democrats because while these issues are bugs or flaws with Republicans, they are features for Democrats. That's why I'm Republican. I believe in the state principles and platform, but I think we also have to hold our elected people accountable to them. Well, y'all, it's just one more week till the elections. Remember, stay informed, stay engaged. You've been listening to the Andrew Kubrider Show, your source for Kentucky political news and commentary about what's going on right here in Kentucky. Y'all have a great rest of your Halloween. And we'll see you back here tomorrow for uh, tomorrow's episode of the Andrew Kubrider Show. Thank you all so much. Have a great rest of your day.